0: In biblical times, and there may actually be places where this still happens, when a shepherd was in the field with the sheep and he needed to be out there with them overnight, quite often what he would do was build a, a, a makeshift but, but sturdy, temporary type of pen to keep the, the sheep in overnight. Night, He would gather together large stones and he would stack them up in such a way that it would completely encircle the, the flock and him and give them some protection from any type of predators that may be coming out at night. Now, in the morning, the shepherd would begin to dismantle part of the wall. He would begin to create a breach in the wall And he would step through it. Now, all the sheep would begin to to press in behind the shepherd, and in their anxiousness and in their desire to, to get free. From this, uh, this overnight bondage, they would begin to, to press against the wall also, and they would break through and they would create an even larger opening, and all of the sheep would, would just pile out into the freedom of the pasture. The sheep had learned to trust the shepherd. When they saw the shepherd, Going before them, they knew that it was now safe for them to go out into the freedom of the pasture. In Micah chapter 2, in verse 12, it says, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate, going out by it. The king passes on before them. The Lord is at their Head. Now, that can be a sort of a confusing scripture there, but I want you to think of the illustration that I just gave you. When it's talking about the Lord has people surrounded, but he's going to go before them, he's going to make a breach, and they're going to press, and they're going to break through. Many scholars believe that Jesus was referring to this scripture when he said in Matthew chapter 11, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Now, we taught about that a couple of weeks ago, and one thing that I pointed out was that that passage, a better translation would be, the kingdom is forcibly entered. So our king, our Lord, has broken the breach for the flock. He's created this opening for the flock. And the shepherd has gone before us. Now we get to press through. We get to break through into freedom. We started a lesson series last week, just a very short one, three-week series called The Sheep and the Shepherd. And the whole reason we're teaching this uh, series is because we're getting ready to uh, uh, put in the body shepherds, shepherd couples that are gonna help shepherd this body. And we'll do that next week. But this morning, I'm just gonna teach a simple lesson called Following the Shepherd. The shepherd metaphor shows up more than 500 times in Scripture across the Old and the, the, the New Testament. And without a doubt, the most widely used and recognizable biblical illustration for spiritual leadership is the shepherd and the flock. In Psalms 100, verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In John 10, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And in Acts 20, verse 28, Paul is talking to the leadership at the church of Ephesus here. And he said, guard yourself and God's people. Feed the shepherd, God's flock. His church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has anointed you as leaders. So what I want to show you this morning is what you can expect from shepherds in this body. I want you to see what they're going to be bringing to the table. Is that okay? So being faithful to the leadership of our good shepherd... And to the admonition of the word that we just read there in Acts 20, let's look at a group of shepherds and see and learn about spiritual shepherds. Now we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, like I said. And this passage of Scripture is usually only read during Christmas. But I don't think that it's surprising that God announced to a group of shepherds, the arrival of the Good Shepherd. In Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, it said in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the first thing that I want you to see here this morning is that as a shepherd, as a spiritual shepherd, they've got to be bold. Spiritual shepherds have to be bold. A spiritual shepherd cannot be someone who is afraid. They can't be afraid of loving people right where they are. They can't be afraid to jump right in the middle of somebody's messy life. Now, if we would be honest, we've probably all got some messy lives. Just some of you are better at showing it. And some of us are better at hiding it. But there's all a little little mess inside of us. And we can't be afraid as shepherds to get right in the middle of somebody's messy life. The, uh, the Pharisees were watching Jesus. And they were always saying, you know, why is he hanging out with sinners? Why is he having dinner with, with tax collectors? Why is he talking to the, those people? And in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come not to call call those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. Jesus was going to the very ones that needed him, not the ones that thought they had it all together. Lisa and I, many years ago, we were on staff at another church, And we would just, we would spend a lot of our time ministering to some of these messy people. And we were told one time, you need to be around and hang out with people that are more your caliber. Don't hang out with people that are beneath you. Why are you spending all your time with with these people? You need to be hanging out with people that are more your caliber. And to be honest with you, that person that said that to us is no longer in our life. But some of those people that were supposedly beneath us, we're still ministering into their lives. We're still shepherding them. Even though they don't go to church here, we still have connection with them. I've been questioned over the years. People say, why do you spend so much time with that person? Or this person when it doesn't seem like you're you're getting a lot of return on your investment why are you spending so much time investing into that person or pursuing this person and the reason is because there was a time I needed to be pursued there was a time that I needed somebody sewing into me and to be honest with you if you hadn't heard this story I love tell the story anyway That's the reason that Lisa and I are in this church, because Sam Fisher, who is a a fantastic shepherd, saw somebody hurt and broken and thought he was worth the investment. Shepherds cannot be afraid to be around messy people. They can't be afraid to speak truth in love. There are people that can speak truth but can't say it in love. They can say it in a quite judgmental, snarky way, and it may be truth, but it's not going to change your heart because it's not said in love. Right? And it's not love. Some people think it's love to not say something. That's not love. Love is for me to be able to come up next to you and say, there's a booger in your nose. <laughs> and I don't want everybody else seeing it. That's love. That's love. They can't be afraid to be an example of a passionate Jesus follower. So we want bold shepherds. Back in Luke chapter 2, verse 12, and this will be the sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So here's the second thing I want to show you. A spiritual shepherd has to be spiritually sensitive Must be spiritually sensitive. Do not think for one second that just anybody that had been out in that that field that night would have seen what was going on or would have heard the message that the angel was given. We tend to think that, oh, and just anybody riding by, driving by on their donkey, whatever, would have seen all this. But let me give you another example. In John chapter 12, uh, Jesus here is praying and he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Then the crowd stood there, then heard it, said, hmm, it thundered. So don't think that just anybody out there would have heard that message or would have been spiritually in tune enough to connect with the message because a lot of people may have thought it was thundering. Now, every child of God, I absolutely believe this, every child of God can hear God's voice. But a mature believer will know the difference between God's voice and our own human reasoning. Sometimes we think something's God and we try to make it God, but it's not God. And a mature shepherd will know the difference between what God is saying and what my emotions are saying. A spiritual shepherd has a mature understanding of God's voice God has sent people to this church and you can see it spiritually they're broken they're hurting they're limping along I mean spiritually you know they're in a full body cast you know spiritually they're they're on crunches and 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 barely making it but they want to come in and tell us how to do something (laughs) hey you know if you just did it this way it would work a whole lot better and it's not that we're, we're not open to, to hearing what people have to say, but when you're coming in, we want you to, to have a season of just being healed, of just being loved, of just being taken care of. See, the, the, the problem can be at times that churches only pursue people for their giftings or for their money. So if you don't have giftings or money, it doesn't seem like churches really want you. But that's not the heart of NCC. We want you to be shepherded. We want you to be healed. We want you to be taken care of. And it's not about control, because some people go, well, you're just trying to control my life. No, we're just trying to love you. See, the thing is, if we're going to be a shepherd, because the shepherd has to know the sheep that we may have to say something from time to time that seems like we're getting in your business. And it's not that we're trying to control you. We're just trying to say, you know what? You're about to step off a cliff. We all need somebody looking out for us. You know, I'm the lead pastor of, of this church, and you want to talk about you know, somebody that, that, that is spiritually sensitive? Pastor Sam recognize that God is calling him to do other things. And he recognized that that the best thing to do is just step aside and allow, allow me to step up and begin to lead. And him being spiritually sensitive, he was willing to do that. But he and I had a conversation this week, and I told him, I don't care where you go in this world. I don't care what the Lord is is asking you to do or calling you to do. You're always going to be my pastor. Why? Because it doesn't matter how high you get on the org chart. You still need to be Pastored. All right, moving on. Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Here's the third thing a spiritual shepherd needs to seek Jesus. A spiritual shepherd needs to seek Jesus above all the other responsibilities that we may have in life. And I know that this group of people that that we're going to pray over and anoint next week, they've got responsibilities in their life, but the highest responsibility is to seek Jesus. And there are these shepherds. They had a responsibility to the sheep, but they had to seek Jesus. Let's go see. Let's go see what this is. A shepherd has nothing to give apart from giving Jesus. So if we don't seek Jesus, we don't have anything to give. I want you to think about this. Paul, Paul, at the end of his life, writing his last letter to a church. He was writing to the church at Philippi. And here he is. After all the things that he's done and what he writes is that his highest goal is that he may know him. He was saying, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and this this is the man that the Spirit of God had caught up to heaven and given him revelation. this is the man that that miracles were commonplace in his ministry, including raising the dead and this was a man who had founded most of the churches in Asia, yet his desire at the end of his life while he's in prison maybe even knowing that, that death is coming soon, he's still saying, "I want to know Jesus," because we never get to the place where we've got it all. There's always another step. there's always a deeper place of knowing Jesus, and close fellowship with Jesus is what sustains a shepherd. Now, Luke 216, first part of the verse there, it says, and they went with haste. They went with haste. A spiritual shepherd has to be quick to obey. Quick to obey. A spiritual shepherd must not only hear the Lord and seek the Lord, but they must be quick to obey because lives hang in the balance. Hesitation can be the difference between deliverance and destruction. Close fellowship with Jesus makes the shepherd aware of God's plan, but also at times the plan of the enemy. It was just um, here recently that somebody had, had set a meeting with me. They wanted to talk to me. I did not know what they wanted to talk to me about. But in the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up and began to show me what was going on in this young man's life. And I was able to pray about it and be aware of it because there were some dark things going on. So when I went into the meeting with him, God had already exposed the plan of the enemy. And I already knew what the plan of God was, was to set him free. But we've got to be quick to obey A lot of times, God will just prompt me, and I'm sure this has happened to you too. God will just just prompt me to contact somebody or just pray for somebody. Some of you have gotten these texts from me where I'll say, your face kept jumping up in front of me, so I prayed for you. I don't know what's going on, but you've been prayed for because the only way I can get your face out of my head is to pray for you because it's just there, bong, bong, bong. Your face, I know that's bad. So if I got to look at you all day long, I'm going to pray for you. Okay. And sometimes God will just just put people on our hearts. Years ago, when Lisa and I first came on staff at the church, and uh, uh, we were we were starting the junior high ministry. Woohoo, She says, "Thank God it's over." I say, but <laughs> uh, we were starting the junior high ministry, and. Pastor Sam had encouraged us just to get a list of the families and just go visit the families. So uh, we'd gotten to know several of them that were going to be uh, in, in, our, in our class as we were getting ready to start this, but there were some that we really didn't know. They weren't really, really connected to the church. So we just got a list of, of all the kids and all the families that, were, that, that potentially could be in that class, and one Saturday, Lisa and I decided we were just going to go knock on some doors. And you know how much fun that is, just knocking on somebody's door. I can see you in there. Open up. Open the door. So we went and visited some families, and we would just have a, you know, a conversation with some people. And as we were kind of getting, getting done, I'd keep looking at the list, and this one family kept sticking out to me. And I was going like, I don't want to go. They live way out in the middle of nowhere. All these other people were close to us, so, it, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. But this person lives way out in the middle of nowhere. I was like, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to drive way out there. So I gave Lisa the list. And Lisa being, you know, much more spiritually in tune than I am, she goes, I think we're supposed to go see them. And I looked over there, and I went, dang it. I don't want to drive all the way out there. But we did. So we drove out to this, this house we knocked on the door, and the, the mom and one of the daughters that was going to be in our class were there. And we went in, and we, we spent some time with them. Just about 30 minutes, just talking about life, talking about, about things going on. We didn't talk a whole lot about church. Just talked about them, and we prayed for them. And we left. And I'm going, what was the big deal, God? Why don't you make me drive all the way out here for that? But the next morning, at church, that mom approached Lisa with big tears in her eyes, and she gave her a big hug, and she said, I had just told the Lord yesterday, nobody at that church cares about us. Nobody, and I'm not going back. She said, and within an hour, we were knocking on their door. Quick to obey. Quick to obey. What if we had said, well, we'll do that next week, or a couple of weeks from now. We may have lost that family. And that mom said, we will be a part of this church. And they were until they moved away. We've got to be quick to obey. All right, back in Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished so here's my final point a spiritual shepherd knows it's all about jesus it's not about everyone else it's not about me it's not about building my ministry it's really not even about building a church Because I promise you, here at New Covenant Church, we love all of your butts being in these chairs, but it's not about just getting butts in chairs. We're not just trying to pack the house. We're about building the kingdom. And the way that you build the kingdom is build people. So we want to see people built. The astonishing part See, it says right there when they told this story that people were astonished. The astonishing part has nothing to do with the shepherd. The astonishing part is all about Jesus. The astonishing part is that Jesus has come to set us free. And the heart of a spiritual shepherd is most fully expressed when they can say, as Psalms 34 says, O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name. Let us exalt his name together. Now, what I wanted you to, to see this morning was some characteristics of a shepherd. I want you to know that as, as we set people in the body, that they'll be Bold. They'll love you boldly. They'll be sensitive to the Spirit. They'll have a heart to seek Jesus. They'll be quick to obey, and they're going to know it's all about Jesus. So hopefully this lesson has made you say, I want to be shepherded because this is coming. This this is going to help our body strengthen. It's going to help us grow spiritually spiritually. We're going to know each other more deeply. So I hope your heart is going is saying, that's what I want. I want somebody to be bold with me. I want somebody that will speak into my life. I want somebody there for me. And maybe your heart's even saying, I want to be a shepherd because you know what, we're going we're gonna to install some next week, but these aren't going to be all of them. This is going to grow. This is going to grow. Now, our good shepherd has breached the wall, and he's leading us to freedom.
1: I was telling Pastor Chris that this week I've gotten phone calls and texts from people that I ministered to back in the 80s. And they're godly people. They're powerful intercessors. They're grounded in the word. Some of the most faithful Christians that I know. And they were saying, Would you pray for me? I feel so disconnected. Would you pray for me? I feel so alone. I feel like I'm in limbo. And I, it, I just thought, There must be more. If these giants that I've known for since 1983 from Nashville and Midland and then around Tyler have gotten in touch with me with the same thing that the body of Christ must be feeling this way in more than just those few. And so I thought about the sermon that Jesus preached in Luke 4:18 and what he preached in Nazareth, he he had read in Isaiah 61 and it was that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are blind. I was telling Pastor Chris that I think it was back in 28 uh, 2008 I was walking through the house praying for someone I don't remember who I remember getting to my kitchen standing by the cabinet and I remember that I said father just be the lord of their past and their present and their future and then I stopped and thought wait a minute I've never said that before I've never prayed that before I've never heard anyone pray that before is that even scriptural And, of course, every prayer that we pray and every word that we give has to be according to the Word of God. And and so I'm asking the Holy Spirit about Lord of the past. And he said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he told me something that I want to share with you. He said that until we make Jesus the Lord of all of our past, everything that's ever happened to you, Everything that you've been through, everything that you've ever done that you just rather not think about, or if you do think about it, it hurts, or it seems to be nagging at you, or you dream about it. If you make Jesus the Lord of it, you can let it go permanently, and he spoke to me, and he said, if they will make me the Lord of all of their past, then I can be Lord of their present and their future. Amen. Think about that, you all. Can we make Jesus Lord of today and all the tomorrows if we don't make him Lord of the past? Because I many, so many times I've tried to go back in the past and fix things. Any of you ever tried to fix the past? Doesn't work, does it? (laughs) Can't get rid of it by ourselves. But if we take it to the cross, if we take it to the Savior, if we take it to the burden bearer, if we give it to him and really mean it, then he told me that's where you start quoting Romans 8, 28. Y'all know what Romans 8, 28 is? Some of you, it's probably one of your favorite verses, that God can cause all things to work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I thought, how many times have I claimed that verse when I was still Lord over the past? And I was wanting Jesus to, I said, Jesus, you said you'd cause it to work together for my good. But I never let go of it. I never, he was never invited to be the Lord over it. I was still involved in trying to deal with it, to fix it. I still cried when I thought about it. I still felt a little hopeless when I remembered it or guilty when I thought about what I'd done that I couldn't undo, what I'd said that I couldn't unsay. And so if there are those of you here today that have any of that with you, I'd just like to pray with you. And if you're willing to, maybe you can lay it down today that if we just say in our heart, Father, there are things in my past that are still hurting me. There are things in my past that I still feel pain about. There are things in my past that still have a hold on me. And Jesus said that he came to preach the good news. And then he said he came to bind up the brokenhearted. There are things in my past that still break my heart. There are things in my past that still make me a captive. And yet he said he had set me at liberty from all bondage. And so can you today say, Jesus, I will make you Lord of my past. I will gather it all up together. All those things that I did or that were done to me. And I'll make you the Lord of them. I will give them to you to be under your lordship. I will take my hands off of them. I will quit trying to fix it. I will quit trying to understand why it happened to me. I'll quit questioning. If you love me, God, then why'd you let this happen? I'll quit asking those questions, and I'll give it to you. And then I'll invite you to not only be the Lord of my past, but the Lord of my present and my future. And I know you'll hear this prayer because I know it's according to your will. And I ask it in faith in the name of Jesus. Amen.